The main verse of James is just starts right off the gate, and it's this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face, and brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And what we've been talking about is that everything important needs testing. The car you drove in here, that's important. It's important that your car is safe. And so it was tested over and over and over again. The airbags were tested. The seatbelts were tested. All those things were, were tested. My iPhone, which is in my office, which is why I'm shaking right now. Like, I have like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what, you know, maybe it's at 85% and I need to plug it in. Uh, so my iPhone was tested. And we remember, I don't know if you remember, but I threw my iPhone up in the air like 30 feet and uh, it landed because I, the case had been tested uh, that it could handle that, right? I'm still, I still wake up sweaty when I think about that, but that's things that are important are tested. L l listen, your relationships get tested, don't they? For, I, I can only speak as a married man, but, uh, you know, things happen in life, and so your marriage gets tested, right? If you have a friendships, deep, deep, deep friendships, haven't they been tested? You know, haven't you had conversations that were yucky or what have you? And so we talk about that the testing of our faith produces endurance, or perseverance. And that Greek word for perseverance just means joyful endurance. And so I, I use the example of my daughter who can literally wake up in the morning and go, I think I'm going to run a marathon and just run a marathon. I know. I, she gets it from her mom, I guess, because... I wake up in the morning and I'm like, I don't even want to watch someone run a marathon. I'm just like, and so, uh, but she has this joyful endurance. She starts running and it's like not that big of a deal. And so as we go through James and we're going to end up uh, this week, because next week we start Advent. Uh, as we go through James, we think of this idea of like, could I handle trials of many kinds and make it a joyful endurance for my faith. And so that's what we're going to talk about. And this morning, we're going to talk about the testing of your faith as it comes to people. Specifically, people who look, act, smell <laughs> different than you. Different people. That's what we're going to be talking about. So typically, just to give you kind of an idea of the underbelly of what it takes to write a sermon. You have a setup that doesn't have anything to do with the scripture. You're kind of like setting up the context and then scripture wins at the end because scripture always wins. And so uh, this is probably the longest setup I've ever done in my 15 years here. Uh, and you'll see why because it's very important. This sermon is very, very important. And so uh, people are complex, right? Don't you think you're complex? I think I'm complex. She okay? Okay. Sorry for those of you watching online. You good? You all right? Okay. Like I said, people are complex. We all have different things going on. So your nationality is a part of who you are. So may, maybe you're a U.S. citizen, but you identify as being Mexican because that's where you come from. And so uh, 
that's part of who we are, our nationality, our race, our ethnicity. Thank you, Stefan. Appreciate that. Our race, and just so those of you who are watching online, we just, someone was coughing over here, and we're just helping them out. That's all. Your race or ethnicity, that's a big deal about who, who we are, right? That, that makes us complex. You're complex. If you're black, you're not just black. What, what, like, if you're white, you're not just white. Like, right, so I'm, I'm like white, middle-aged male. Like, like the, the power, like, God's fell on me, I guess. But that, that's who I am. That's my race. That's my ethnicity. I can't do anything about that. I didn't get born and go, hmm, go down this line. Oh, I'm going to pick white. I, I didn't do that. Your gender. You didn't pick your gender. That just happened. It's called biology. That's just what, what goes on. But it, it allows you to be complex. People are complex. You're complex, aren't you? I am. If you just came up to me and you said, oh, he's, a, uh, he's an American uh, white male. Does that identify me? <laughs> no. I mean, it, it's true. But I'm much more complex than that. And you're much more complex than that. My age, your age, that makes you complex. If you're 17 years old, if you're one of these little kids out here, it's a, you interact differently because people are complex and you treat a five-year-old differently than you treat a 35-year-old, you treat an 85-year-old. Your age makes a big difference about how you interact with people, how you're perceived, right? We see somebody who's older and we go, wow, I'll bet they're really wise. Maybe a seven-year-old's wise. But we, we, we do this. We put ourselves in categories because we're, we're what? Complex. Thank you for those online. These people didn't say anything. I'll bet you said it at home. All right. Your marital or family position. Like, I'm, I'm married. That's a big part of my identity. Lisa and I just celebrated. Well, I didn't celebrate, but we, we, we acknowledged our 37th year from our first date. Okay, because we're really sentimental. We're amazing. Trust me, we're amazing. Um, right? So that's a big deal to me. Like, like marrying my high school sweetheart is a part of me. It's a part of my identity, right? Because she stuck with me, which is just a Christmas miracle. Uh, but if you're single, you don't have to be married. What if you're single? It's, part, it's a part of who you are. It's a part of your complexity. Maybe you're divorced. It's part of your identity. You're single mom, single dad. It's a part of who you are. Maybe you have a disability. You have a struggle. So we have a son who has epilepsy, right? That's a part of who he is. And when you see my son and you say, oh, he's an American white male. It's like, yeah, dude, but he's got, he's been through so many MRIs and been poked and prodded and shoved into testing stuff and all that. You don't, he's so complex. Maybe you have something going on. What about your religion? So here I am, a pastor, and I'm talking to people, and we all assume everybody's a Christian. You can't assume that. You might be just coming, maybe you're online for the first time. You're like, you know what, I, I remember going to church, and I, I want to try that again, and I want to see if there's another way to look at the Bible or whatever. And you're, you're on that journey. 
And you end up in a church or online or whatever, and you just assume everybody's a Christian and they believe and they know more than you. Don't, don't assume that. I know these people. They don't, they don't know anything. All right. So, that's, so I'm just playing around. Socioeconomic. You're poor. You're wealthy. You have your retirement all figured out. That's part of who you are. You go through the day and you're like, yeah, I don't worry about what I buy. Or maybe you're struggling and you look at every single penny and you're like, if somebody pays for your coffee, you're just like, Jesus, thank you. That's a, that's a part of who you are. I, I grew up, I was in a mostly white town in New Jersey. My, my dad uh, was, worked on Wall Street and then we lost everything and I went to a mostly African-American junior high. And so I'd feel comfortable in both camps. But if you just saw me in the store, you'd be like, old white dude, I got you. You don't got me. You don't, you don't know anything about me. Well, I mean, you guys do, but like, you see what I'm saying? See how complex we are? And you got stuff going on. I'm not done. I told you this is a long setup. Check this out. Your vocation. I'm a teacher. I'm a principal. I'm a I'm a manager. I'm a musician. I'm a whatever your vocation is. Doesn't that make a big part of who you are? Maybe good or bad. Maybe you wish, I mean, I, I wait tables and you wish, oh, someday I'm going to do something quote unquote better. And people meet you and they don't know what you do, but you know what you do. And your vocation becomes a big part of who you are, your education, right? I mean, you, you, maybe you're the first one in your family to graduate from high school. And your family is just so proud of you. And they all showed up at the graduation. They had the horn, they had the horns, and they're just like, oh my goodness. It's like everything's changing. Or maybe for you, you're like, high school? I graduated from college. So much better, right? Maybe you got your master's. Oh my goodness, you're even more better. Or you got your PhD. Now you're just annoying, okay? So. <laughs> Now you're just like, dude, just stop going to school. Okay, let's go. Right? But your education is a big part of who we are, whether you have it or not, because we're complex. Our responsibilities. I'm taking care of my parents. I'm taking care of my kids. I'm taking care of my neighbor. Like the things that I have to get done. I have a house or I have an apartment or I have whatever. And I have to make sure those are taken care of. I got to take care of my car. Like responsibilities, things you have to make done. That's a big part of who you are. You know why? Because you're complex. And I'm complex. And we're all complex. Your abilities. We just heard Maya and... Um, Gosh, I was going to say Taylor. I'm so sorry, Wilson. I just, Wilson's just like, dude, seriously? Like I'm a worship leader. Okay, so I know. Well, hey, well, we're going to get to it. I'm old, and so I forget things. See, it's a stereotype. Um, so ability. So Wilson can play guitar. Maya can play, shoot, everything. Like she can do anything. So these are their abilities. Maybe you have ability to fix cars. Doesn't that become part of who you are? Maybe you have the ability to, to make things grow. No one would know that about you in the store. They wouldn't know that. I'm sorry, Wilson. Your family of origin. Maybe you had addiction in your family. And so you're growing up and they don't know about how you were the one who had to make sure everything was okay. You ran interference for the family to make sure everything was calm. No one would know that about you. 
It's true because you're complex. Maybe your family of origin was every Tuesday night we had game night and every night of the week we had dinner together and you had a picket fence and two puppies and rainbows and a unicorn in the backyard. Maybe, maybe that's it. And, and now you're growing up and you're like, well, how come, my, how come none of the family wants to eat dinner? It's Tuesday night. It's game night. And they're like, it's, it's not game night. We, it's, we're just waiting for Thursday night football. What? That, sorry, that was a little inside of myself. Your political view, oh my goodness. You're a Democrat or Republican, or you're like me. I'm just, in, I'm just closet. <laughs> like I don't tell anyone anything. I vote and I go, oh, this is great, right? I just vote, whatever. Your political view. Well, our political views can be really close to us. Like you can be really proud of being a Democrat. You can be really proud of being a Republican. You can be really proud of being independent. You've thought through these issues and you've landed on a, on a thing because you're complex. Your health, if you're going through a cancer and you're going through chemo or you, you're going through, um, uh, you have diabetes or you're, doing, or you're on medication or whatever, this, doesn't that become part of you? All these things you have to go through? Like I was talking about my son, like, like you have to go through these different tests and ugh, you're complex. You meet somebody and you look at them just by the color of their skin or the way they talk or they're from Alabama or something. And you go, oh, I know, I know, I know them. You do not know them. I would make this statement that we need to make more time to get to even know ourselves and our own complexities and our own self-awareness and why am I feeling this way? Travel. Some of you might have just lived in Garden Grove your whole life and like when you went to Magic Mountain, it was like, oh my goodness, that's a, <laughs> it's like a foreign country, you know? You don't know. Or maybe you've traveled the world and you're like, oh man, you should see, you should, oh, I was at this food cart in South Korea and it was the great, you know, and you're just, doesn't that become part of your identity, your travel? Your relationships. <laughs> I told you it was a long setup, right? Your relationships. I have like six male friends that I can call up at any time and when I finish the conversation go, I love you. That's not Co that common that I've seen. That dudes say I love you to each other. I, I, to me, do you know what? It just is so valuable to me that I have those deep friendships, that I have people I can say I love you. And there's no stigma or no, anything. don't tell me you love me. You know? There's none of that. My relationships, my relationship with my kids, my relationship with you guys. That's a big part of who I am, not just as your pastor, but as people journeying together. We journey together. We find out stuff about each other and we learn. And then I save this one for last, our failures. Our failures don't define us, but they do make us more complex, right? That one time you went to that party, you made that one mistake, and you just think about it, and it makes, makes you kind of like cringe or whatever. Or you said something in a group of people, and you just wish so badly you could take it back. And 
you kind of feel like those people, that's what they, that's how they identify you. You said one thing and they say, oh, I, I know that person. But they don't know you, do they? Because you're complex. People are complex. So I'm going to get on everybody's nerves in just a little bit, and then we'll get into the Bible. Uh, when I talk to Republicans and I say Al Gore, <laughs> I, I bet, I'll bet, don't raise your hands, but I'll bet when I said Al Gore, you said, you know, he says he created the internet. Remember that? Right? Right? The way it's told to me is that he said he invented the internet. That's not what he said. I actually watched the interview yesterday. He said he helped create the internet. Either way, it was a misstep. But we take Al Gore, who's a husband, he's a father, he was a senator, he was vice president. You don't know Al Gore. I'm telling you, I mean, maybe you do. If you do, give me his uh, cell phone number. I'd love to text him, ask him some questions. Like, we just say that because our brains are designed to think fast and categorize. There's no way you can get away from it. You're going to categorize in your brain. You can't stop it. If you see a person of color or you see a person of another color or whatever, you see an old person, a young person or whatever, your brain, just the way your prefrontal cortex is made up and the way your lizard brain part of your brain is made up, you just make a decision. You just, okay, I'm categorizing. So we do that. Oh, yeah, Al Gore, yeah, he said he created the internet. Okay, all right, Democrats, your turn. George Bush used the word internets. He pluralized internet. And so my Democrat friends, I'll hear them when they talk about the internet, they say the internets, and that's their little like, hee, 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 hee. George Bush said internets, right? That was 20 years ago. Get over it, okay? It was 21 years ago he said this, that he helped create the internet. Get over it. You don't know these guys. You just have your preconceived ideas of who they are. Now, here's the thing. These are people in power. So it's like, meh, who cares? They're both wealthy. They were, you know, and they were in the White House, whatever. Man, but what about you and I? What about the people we see in the store? What about the people we come in contact with? What about the way we talk to each other on the internet? You don't know them. They made a post. They made a mistake. And now it's your job to police the internet. So here's what I want to talk about this morning. We have conscious bias, all of you. <laughs> all of you have conscious bias bias. Okay, so I'll give you my con. I was trying to think about which one I felt safe telling you about. Um, but I have a conscious bias. I don't like actors and actresses like Hollywood. I just don't, I don't trust them. So like when an actor starts telling me about something like how to vote or what to wear or whatever, I'm just like, Piff, you're faking, you're acting, right? It's a conscious bias I have. Now, for any of you actors out there, please forgive me, but at least I'm being honest. I'm, I don't like you, okay? So that's just honest. No, right? And then there's unconscious bias. And this is the one that I want to talk about this morning. This unconscious bias, you have, we, humans have it. 
It's science. You have an unconscious bias. Just know what it is and work it out. And so your unconscious bias might be this. Let's say an unconscious bias can go against your actual values. So let's say I'm what, what we call egalitarian, right? So our, our denomination, Free Methodist, is egalitarian. Men and women uh, lead, can lead. Uh, we, we have Pastor Michelle. She can run her own church. Like, like there's no difference there. But my unconscious bias me, might be something like, well, I need to help her because she can't do it on her. I'm going to, I'm going to, because I care so much about egalitarian stuff, I'm going to do stuff for her. Well, that's an unconscious bias of like, well, then is she like really equal? Like, you see what I'm saying? That it's, again, it's nuanced. I want to show you a really old stereotype. See? It's a really old stereotype. No, I'm just... Okay, here's a better one. Who spent time in prison? The white lady did, right? But we sometimes look at somebody, the way they're dressed, the way they, and we have this unconscious bias that, oh, they must have, they, because they want to portray themselves this way. You don't know Snoop. I do. No, I'm kidding. But so, Martha Stewart's been in prison, Snoop hasn't, okay? Like, we all have this. You just name it. Just say it, okay? So there's a couple books real quick, and then we'll get into the Bible. One is this book um, by Daniel uh, Kahneman called Thinking Fast and Slow. It kind of tells your, it kind of teaches you a little bit about your brain, about when to slow down your thinking and stop just taking these biases whether they're conscious or unconscious, and just going with them, how to slow down and go, well, well, do, do I know a Democrat? Can I sit down with a Democrat or a Republican? Get to know why they think the way they did? What's their family of origin? What's their education? Where, where are they at? Can I slow down enough to get to know another human, regardless of who they are? Another one, I haven't read this one, I wanted to show it to you because this is me promising you I will read it. It's called uh, Leading with Cultural Intelligence. And it's by David Livermore. And somebody I really respect was like, you got to read this book. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read that one too. So those two books. Okay. Let's see what James has to say. Do you believe we're all complex, first of all? Do you believe you're complex? Do you believe I'm complex? Okay. Because it's going to really make a difference. Here we go. My brothers and sisters, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. So here's what, here's what James is doing. He's framing your identity in a relationship with Jesus. He says, my brothers and sisters, as you take your steps in your relationship with Jesus, as you walk, as you go to the store, as you go to your job, as you lead in your context, as you interact with your family, that's the contact. This as is really important in this verse. My brothers and sisters, I'm going to say some things in the context that you are believers in our Lord, uh, glorious Lord Jesus Christ. That's how I'm approaching you when I say these next things. Now, I'm just going to say something real quick to the Christians out there. Because again, I don't, what do I know, right? You're complex. This is what you believe. You believe that there's a God. You believe that that God is three 
persons in one person, three in one. It's called the Trinity. You believe that it's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You believe that at some point the Father said to the Son, you're going to go down to earth and you're going to take human form. You're going to humble yourself taking the form of a bondservant. That's what you're going to do. And the way you're going to do that is there's going to be Mary and the Holy Spirit, the third part of the Trinity, uh, is going to somehow immaculately conceive you and you're going to be born and you're going to spend about 33 years on earth and you're not going to sin. Then you're going to die. They're going to crucify you. You're going to be buried and you're going to rise again. That's as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. That's your context. That's what you believe. Now, for somebody who doesn't believe that, you've got to admit, isn't that hard to believe? Right? That's, that's, a, that's a story. That's hard. But when you've experienced it, when you've experienced the power of the Holy Spirit, when you've experienced giving your life over to Jesus, and you've experienced that the scary times when you're like, oh, man, I, I, I know he's asking me to do this, but I don't want to do it, and you do it. That, doesn't that, that's it, Right? Well, that makes you complex. And it helps you to understand why someone across the aisle from you might not land there just yet. So, as believers, as people who believe what I said, what do you think the next thing he says? Don't show favoritism. <laughs> Don't show favoritism. Do you know why my setup for this sermon was so long? is because I needed 35 minutes because that's how long my sermons are. I could have just walked up and said, hey, James says don't show favoritism. Wilson, why don't you come up and lead us in 17 more songs, right? I could have done that. But I think we just blow over that because we think we know who people are. We think we understand George Bush and Al Gore, and I, picked, I just picked people from my, you know, my context. You could pick whoever you want. Just, we figured them out. Jesus says, listen, uh, James says, listen, guys, you follow Jesus. Like, you're, you come to him as sinners. Don't show favoritism, because he doesn't. He goes on. Suppose a man comes uh, into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, right? So in our context, in my context, you know, the parking lot's over there. Some dude drives up in a really nice Tesla, okay? Suppose someone comes to your church in a really nice Tesla, okay? And so we look at that person and we go, oh, our, our brain, lizard brain says, oh, rich, important, smart, whatever. We pick, pick our little things. And a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. Oh, poor, lazy, uh, you know, doesn't, doesn't do well with his finances, uh, whatever. We pick our, pick our three things. Watch what James says. And, and James, just to be clear, James chose this as an example. You could put anything in here, any two competing ideas. Suppose a Republican walks into your church or a Democrat walks into your church and you say, oh my goodness, we got another Democrat, got another Republican, whatever. If you show special attention to the man wearing the, clo the fine clothes and you say, here's a good seat for you, you get this one. 
and say, but say to the poor man, you can stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. You know what's interesting is our denomination was birthed out of this idea of this James idea of that's not right, man. In the Methodist church, the poor would sit in back. Those people of color would, would sit in the back and the wealthy white people would sit up in front. And we say today, I would imagine, I know most of you would say, of course that's wrong. But somebody had to stand up at some point and go, no. Listen to what he says. Have you not discriminated amongst yourselves? See, because here's what James is saying. As believers of our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, we are all the same. It doesn't matter how much money we have. It doesn't matter the color of our skin. It doesn't matter what education we have. It doesn't matter our gender. We're all the same. And so when you discriminate, when you begin to put somebody above any, you're doing it to yourselves because we're all complex and we're all the same. And so when you do that, you discriminate among yourselves. You discriminate against you when you begin to give people different value based on any one of those. I didn't count how many. There's probably 21 attributes. Oh, do you know they have their doctorate? Oh, they must be really smart. Maybe. I mean, probably. But does that make them better than the person who doesn't have a degree? No. And if you think that, you've discriminated against yourselves because we're all one family. Democrat, Republican, black, white, brown, Asian. Doesn't matter. Male, female. Doesn't matter. When we do that, we discriminate against ourselves. Now listen to this. Oh boy, this one's bad. I, I, I didn't want you to read ahead, so I, I made this into two different things. And become judges with evil thoughts. That kind of stuff is evil in the eyes of the Lord. You think you know someone because of how they voted? What? <laughs> you, you don't know them. You don't know anything about them. We're all one because we, as we walk with our glorious Lord, Jesus Christ. Go to James 2.5. Listen, my dear brothers and sisters. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and inherit the kingdom? Hey, I'm going to tell you a secret. All God cares about is the kingdom. He, he doesn't care about anything else. He cares about the kingdom. How are you being the Jesus you can be in your context? At your work? How, what are you doing as a Jesus follower, in your family, what are you doing as a Jesus follower? In your neighborhood, what are you doing as a Jesus follower? Poor, rich, black, white, whatever. Those things make you complex, but they don't give you value. Your value comes as a follower of Jesus Christ, created in the image of your heavenly father. That is your value. So you might sit there and go, you know what? I look around and I'm lesser than because those people, that, those are evil thoughts. And you're discriminating against yourself. Inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him. But you've insulted the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Amazon. Um, 
are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Right? The people who have extra cash, extra time, extra this. They're manipulating and they're doing all this kind of stuff. Are they not the ones who are slandering the noble name of him? Listen, to whom you belong. You belong to Jesus. That is your value. That is your identity. And as much as you are complex with different nationalities and gender and race and education and socioeconomic and your abilities, as much as you are complex, none of that is your value. Your value comes from Jesus. I'll end it with this. Jesus is talking. I think James got all this from Jesus, just to be clear again. You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, right? Like, you know they lord it over them. They, they like to be in power. And their great ones exercise authority over them. So don't, don't take this as a, as a political statement because it's not. Um, but for those of you watching online, we're obviously in California. And so now California has a curfew at 10 because what happens is at 10 o'clock, the coronavirus triples in deadliness and it goes all the way till five. I don't know how it works, the science works. No, of, cor of course, they're being safe, bars and all, all that kind of stuff. But we have a governor that can like do stuff like that. And it's like all of a sudden, like we're sitting out here in the patio like because... You can't go inside anymore, okay? What does that have to do with Jesus and me? Nothing. It has to do with the tech team who had to do all this kind of stuff, which is amazing. But they, they'll, they're going to lord it over us. Yet, it shall not be so among you when you get into a position of power. But whoever desires to become great among you shall get an education She'll get their masters. She'll get a really good paying job with great benefits. If you want to become great, you need to make sure you save your money. You need to make sure that you get some abilities. You can't speak Spanish yet? Come on, man. That's how you become great. Oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. As the worship band returns, I got a little sidetracked. Whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. You take the lowest. You take the last place. You know why? Because you're a follower of our glorious Lord Jesus Christ and your value is not based on which position you are in line. It is not based on your socioeconomic status or the color of your skin. Whoever desires to be first among you shall be slave to all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served. Even God himself, even the person who deserved Greatness, Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. In Philippians, it says, um, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who did not regard equality with God, something to be held on to, but he emptied himself and became uh, a bond servant became a servant. So, you have your unconscious bias and you have your conscious bias. We all have them. It doesn't make you a bad person. It makes you human. 
This is the way our brain works. You're biased. And in January, we're going to start a series called Biased, Uncovering Our Conscious and Unconscious Biases. I think I have to figure out what the word actually is. Biases or biases? Biases? See, I don't have a, I need an education. I'm just a terrible person. I'll figure it out by then, by January. I, I have a little bit of time. But we're going to be talking about that. Like, how do we, how do we look? Like, like, where are our confirmation biases? Where are our, what they call affinity biases? You all have affinity biases. When you walk into a store and you see someone that looks like you, you do a little head nod. Like, hey, what's up? Like, you don't even know. It's like, you just do it, right? You see somebody, you have tattoos, you see someone tattooed, what's up, man? You don't know. They might be a serial killer. You don't know, right? But we all do it. We all do it. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that and see what the Bible has to say about that. Let me pray for us. We're going to, Wilson's going to, or Maya, I don't know, is going to end us with a song. But I want you to take this time as they're playing to just reflect Maybe for you, this is the first time you've actually really thought about the idea. Maybe for you, you're like, no, I, 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 I'm not racist. I'm not biased. I'm not, I, I love people. I'm not. It's not the way your brain works. So you, you've uncovered something. Go to science right away and have your brain analyzed because you won the lottery. It's not how it works. We're human. We have these things. So maybe just during this time, you begin the conversation with God. God, is there a people group that... I see different. And maybe it's based on your family of origin or based on your socioeconomic status. But you say, is there someone? And you begin that conversation. And we'll go through Advent in the next few weeks and then we'll, we'll hit back on this topic in January at a deeper level. Lord Jesus, you were the only unbiased human that's ever walked the earth. We want to learn from you, Jesus. We want to learn what it's like to see people and to look over the multitudes and have compassion. The general group, not dividing them up into different categories and have compassion for them because they are like sheep without a shepherd. So we thank you for that. We thank you for all that you do for us. I thank you, Jesus, that you did come down. You did take the form of a human. You did die. You were buried. And you did rise again. All for the sake of having a relationship with complex people like me. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm just playing. Now, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray that you would go in his strength, in his joy, and in his love for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.